If you have a financial question for Peggy Bruce, you can call this number 24-7. That's 888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. During the show, though, we do urge you to call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce. Hello, Danny Long. Uh, welcome, listeners. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Peg Webb is taking a well-deserved uh, day off today. Um, as anyone that has to deal with me knows, I'm no picnic, so she uh, she she deserves a day. And but fortunately, we have a great uh, guest joining us today, and he's about to find out what he already knows because uh, we're old friends. That I am no picnic. Um, we're privileged and pleased to have with us today Doug Lenick. Doug and I go back a lot of years. Doug is uh, well. I I, used, I say Doug used to be Mr. Big at Ameriprise Financial. He's uh, he uh, is a co-founder of his own firm um, uh, called Think to Perform. Uh, he, he's had leadership roles a lot of places. Ameriprise Financial is a big one, and Doug works with uh, leaders and uh, and teaches values and goal setting and uh, just does a lot of really, really smart things. I'll let you talk a little bit more about that, Doug. And, uh, Doug, today we, we invited you on, and I can't think of a better guest, to talk about – we titled the show Investing in, uh, Your Values, and we talk a lot about values at Wealth Enhancement. We talk about values as it pertains to goal setting, and I frankly have never understood financial advisors that can advise clients without understanding what makes them tick, without understanding what, what their values are, what their goals are, what's important to them. So we're going to talk a lot about that today and how to do that. And Doug is just absolutely a recognized expert in this space. Hey, Doug, before we dive into the topic, and thank you for being with us today, um, talk a little bit. I've told various people over the years how you and I came to be friends and business partners and know each other. I'd like to hear your version of how you and I got together and see if you, you tell the same story that I do. Well, we probably tell the same story, just different versions of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, Denny Long. It's been a long time. Morning, uh, Doug. I've been in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, it's been a few years since I've had a chance to be in the studio with you and Bruce and Peg and everybody, and so it's great to hear your voice again. Um, but in answer to your question, Bruce, first I have to I, I want to say uh, good morning to I have uh, three grandchildren: uh, Reese uh, Goulart, who's two, and Conroy Lennick, who's two, and Dylan Lennick, who's fifteen. Dylan, I am confident, is not awake listening, but Reese might be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Conroy might be. I, I know Reese is actually because I'm sitting outside of her house. So uh, hi Reese, hi Conroy. So those are my grandchildren. Answer to Bruce's question is: uh, Bruce and I both were uh, members uh, of the Chancellor's Advisory Council at the University of Minnesota Morris, where Bruce Bruce really likes this version, where Bruce is a Hall of Fame football player and I am not. <laughs> Uh, and so, so what, what happened is we, we both ended up on this council and, and we had not met before. I, I knew who Bruce was and Bruce might have known who I was, but we were in a council meeting at Morris and 
he's talking. I got, I know that voice. And, and I realized I knew that voice from Denny Long and, uh, and WCCO radio. And so that's how we met. Uh, or that's not how we met, but that's part of how we met. And the other thing is uh, Bruce actually introduced me uh, to the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters 14 years ago. Uh, the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters was, uh, was in difficult times and, and might have come out and gone out of business. And uh, Bruce suggested I might go out and talk to the, uh, the people that were running the theater and see if there were some thoughts I had. And after visiting with them, I called Bruce up and said, why don't we buy the theater? So, so, so then we got into uh, a business together, and, and so it's been great being a friend and a colleague of Bruce's all these years and having played for the same football program many years apart. <laughs> I'm older than Bruce. Bruce, is, Bruce has youth on his side. So great to be here. Thank you uh, for inviting me, Bruce. And Peg, I'm sorry, uh, Peg couldn't be with us, but I understand she's making a values-based decision. So uh, that's the right thing to do. Nice segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So let, let's 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 dive into it. So you, you are, and again, you're you're a humble guy. And when I say you're an expert or you're um, world recognized, you probably it probably makes you uncomfortable, but. Somebody smarter than me once said it's not bragging if it's true, So, and it's true. And I just want to add one footnote to your story. I want to just say I sat there all day in that chancellor's advisory meeting looking at your name tag going, where do I know this guy from? Because um, I knew I recognized your name, but I couldn't place it. I figured out later that I had read your book, Moral Intelligence, and I was a, a fan of the book. And, and I think it came to me late in the day in that, in that meeting, and we were there for several hours, as is often the case when there's a lot of people on an advisory council, there's a lot of people that like to hear themselves talk, and they don't necessarily say anything, but they'll still talk. And Doug had been quiet most of the day, as was I, and at the end of the day, Doug, you kind of you know, wrapped up the whole day in like just a few sentences, one or two minutes. It's like, okay, here's what we learned today. Here's what we need to do going forward. And I thought, boy, what a, I couldn't have said it any better, any more succinctly, any more accurately. And I think that's when I made the connection. I know who he is. And uh, so I don't even remember what year that was. Was it 2008? Yeah, it was somewhere right around there, you know, because – I actually ended up graduating from college the following year. <laughs> I never, you know, I was on the slow train. I thought it was a 40-year degree, 4-0, but it was a four-year degree, and I, was, I thought I was finishing a year early. So I finished my four-year degree in 39 years. Uh, but, uh, but then I got a, I was on the council before I was a graduate. Then I was a graduate, and then I even got to speak at the commencement ceremony. They they heard enough of politicians, and so they thought they'd bring in just a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, that's another, that's another thing you have over me. They never asked me to come and speak at a graduation. So, hey, so we, we keep kind of dancing around it. Let's dive into it. So core values are in setting goals. I tell a lot of people, um, I don't take credit for this quote. I, I stole it from somewhere. But a goal without a plan is just a wish. So... It's one thing to set goals, and let's start there. Let's talk about core values and goals and why it's important because 
again, I don't know how I can do a good job advising my clients if I don't understand what's important to them, what makes them tick. And, and sometimes their clients are good at setting their own goals, but frankly, Doug, a lot of times they need my help. They've never done it, and they don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about core, core values and goal setting. So let's talk about how you do it and why it's important. Well, you know, one of the things I one of the things I hear you say from time to time, Bruce, because I'm a regular listener, as you know, of your show, and I I have the Odyssey app, so I can listen to you anywhere in the world. And uh, and one of the things you you often talk about is is uh, you know somebody uh, you know offering to a client. A particular product and I think you use dog food and if you use you know and you say I got this great deal on dog food the only question is how many pounds of this do you want and then uh, and then the, the client prospective client says well I don't have a dog I mean if you don't know the client it's really hard to make good recommendations and the financial services industry in my history with it and I've been associated with the industry for about 50 years has come a long way. But early on, much of the industry was very transactional. Buy this dog food because it's the best price you'll ever get. It's the best dog food you'll ever have. You know, so you get quality, you get price all in one package, except you don't have a dog. You know, and so the industry has come a long way from selling dog food, if you will, to helping people achieve their goals. But a real big advancement occurred uh, back in the mid-2000s when people like yourself and Wealth Enhancement Group and organizations like ours were saying, hey, there is actually an even better way, a more effective way to help people achieve their goals, and that is connect their goals or help them see the connection that their goals should have with their values, thereby setting purposeful goals, things that make sense relative to what they care about most. You know, myself as an example, my values are family, happiness, wisdom, integrity, service, health. Those six values, uh, we have an exercise. And by the way, all your listeners, they can go online right now for free and do a values exercise at think to perform it's think the word think the number two the word perform.com you can do that values exercise online it's a little card sort it's kind of fun to do it digitally uh it'll take you about 10 minutes and you can at the end of 10 minutes have gone through a process that gives you a better idea of who you are ideally at an ideal level we're all very wonderful people and those are the things that are inside us and we value and it's in our listeners best interest it's in my best interest for me to have goals make sense relative to my values i'll give you an example i uh one of my personal goals which is a quality goal not a quantifiable goal but one of my quality goals is i really want to be a really good grandfather i want to be a good papa I want to I want to be that guy. That's one of my goals. And then there are actions that I need to take in accord to that. Now, as it happens, because I want to be a good grandfather, 
it has implications in how I think about my money because I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to do different things. And so achieving monetary goals associated with things that matter, like all my children graduated from college, two of them with graduate degrees, and they're debt-free. That was a, a, a goal driven by a value. So the values drive the goals. And values-based decision-making has been proven to be more powerful than goals-based decision-making. And, uh, and, and I will do things because of what's inside of me. And that's what is in the interest of the advisor and the client to know each other from the inside out. So that's a long answer. I hope that was helpful. No, that was really good. And, and, and again, I, uh, the way I always do the show, and, and listeners know this, we have a basic outline that we run with, but I tend to say whatever comes into my brain, whether it's on the outline or not. And what I thought of, Doug, as you were just saying that, and I've told this uh, story on the show before, I've, I've always instinctively practiced what you preach, but I never had it, you know, quantified or formalized, you know, into a system you actually came into Wealth Enhancement and helped us do that, and you can talk about that, too, if you'd like. But what I, what I thought of as my example is I remember years ago I had a client who was on a rapidly up, upward track, kept getting raises and promotions, really knocking the ball out of, out of the park in his career. And he called me up one time. He said, I just got another raise, and I've had a, a goal of driving a certain luxury automobile and here's what it will cost. I want you to tell me if I can afford it or not. And I ran some quick numbers, and I called him back, and I said, you can absolutely afford the vehicle, but let me ask you a question. Are you sure you want that vehicle? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I go, every time we get together, all you talk about is your kid's education and making sure that you're providing enough money to pay for your kid's education so they can have a college degree and not come out of college with debt. Um, so forth and so on. Every meeting, every meeting, he brought it up, not me. I said, if you double your car payment, are you going to drive that car and feel guilt or remorse because that's an extra, whatever it was, 400 bucks a month that you could have been putting away for your kid's education? And with very little time, it was, this was a phone conversation, he suddenly goes, you're right. I wouldn't be happy with that car. I'm not going to get it. I'm going to put the extra money to my kid's education. Now, Fast forward the story, I think like six months later, he got another raise and he said, you know what, I can do both. I can provide for my kids' education and still drive that car I want. But it was, it was amazing to me, Doug, how once I reminded him of his core values, what was important to him, that car suddenly became much less important. Well, that is a, that's a terrific story, a great example. I, you know, I can remember when uh, my children were younger, uh, I have a, my oldest is a, is a boy, and then we have two girls, and uh, my daughters especially uh, really wanted us to have a swimming pool, and they wanted a lake home, and we've had nice things over our lives, but I said, we're not going to build a swimming pool. What we're going to do is send you to college, and, and of course, a swimming pool is something they could enjoy today. College was something they were going to get many years later, but that was a values-based decision. 
and what you're talking about is a values-based decision. You know, and you're, you remind me of, uh, of a financial advisor who I met in the Pacific Northwest who went through this, what we call behavioral financial advice, helping people align behaviors with their goals and their values is really the key. And she happens to be this woman that is this advisor, is a world-class uh, distance runner. She finishes consistently in her age group in the top five in the world in distance running. And she's a great goal achiever herself. And one of the things she did after going through the values exercise with one of her clients is she came back to another meeting and noticed that uh, the, uh, the woman of the couple is the man and a woman couple, and the wife uh, was, uh, was wearing a new tennis bracelet, beautiful tennis bracelet, and the advisor asked her about it, and she said, oh, yeah, very excited, and so on. And similar conversation you just had. She said, I, I'm just wondering, as you make decisions like that, is, is that tennis bracelet really worth more uh, than your daughter's education? And, uh, <laughs> and what happened is they made a little card. They created a little card that this, the client, the, the woman and the man, both carry in their wallet where their credit cards are. And when they open up their wallet, the question is, is what you are about to buy worth more than your daughter's education? So they ask themselves that question all the time. Now, that takes it over the top, but it's the point we're making. So when you do one thing, you're depriving yourself another. That's called an opportunity cost. And when we set goals, that's one of the reasons our process is a little different than most. We call it witty-withy, W-D-Y-W-F-Y. So if you're spelling that out, it's W-D-Y-W-F-Y. What do you want for yourself? The notion being that what one wants for oneself, getting that, is a rightfully selfish process, provided what I want is guided by my values. And so the process of going through the values and understanding what someone really cares about is critical. Now, the first step in Witty Wiffy is harder than most people expect. The first step in getting what you want for yourself is converting a want to a goal. So step one is have a goal. Goals are wants that pass the acid test. And step one, one of the things that you do, Bruce, and Peg does with people, is you help people take step one and realize that's a harder step to take than you think. People think setting goals is easy. Achieving goals is hard. It's actually the opposite. Setting goals is hard. Achieving goals isn't easy, but it's simple. But setting goals is hard because goals are wants that I can and will do what must be done to achieve. Goals are wants that pass the acid test. Can I and will I afford it? And, of course, financial goals cost money, and there are opportunity costs. And one of our biggest our biggest obstacles is dealing 
with what one of my former bosses, Harvey Golub, used to call Disneyland. Our competition, he said, is Disneyland. Disneyland is the impulse to consume now. I want to, I want my, I want to enjoy it now. And achieving financial objectives often requires delayed gratification. So that very first step of having a goal is hard to take. It's a hard step to take, but the data is clear. People who have written goals achieve goals much more successfully than those who don't. People who have written plans to achieve written goals do even better. And best of all, last one, Bruce, people who have written goals with a written plan shared with someone who is trustworthy have the best success of all. We got to take a quick break and we'll come back and finish this discussion, Danny, and we'll get listeners involved as well. Absolutely. If you have a question for Bruce or Doug, by all means, here's the number 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more of your money. Stay with us. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce midweek or so, you can call this number 24-7, in fact, 888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But right now, you can call or text our studio line during the show, 651-461-9226. Peg is off today, but here once again is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Denny Long. Thank you, listeners, for staying with us. If you joined us late, let me reintroduce uh, our guest. Doug Lenick uh, is my, uh, my friend, my business partner, my mentor, someone I hold in high regard, um, probably the single person most responsible, if you enjoy the Chan Ass and Dinner Theater, for saving it in 2010. And uh, Doug is, uh, uh, is the founding, one of the founding members of Think to Perform, a high-performance leadership development firm. Um, he's recognized worldwide as an expert in behavioral sciences, be, uh, how behavior relates to personal finance. And today we're talking about investing your values, achieving purposeful goals. And, Doug, I'm going to try to stay out of your way and let you get through kind of the main steps that one needs to take in order to achieve those purposeful goals that we talk about Uh, In the first half of the show before we went to break, I think we talked about step one, uh, having a goal, setting a goal, and you mentioned that's not as easy as people think it is, but uh, I'll let you take it and run from here. Yeah, thank you. And by the way, while we were on break, an old friend of yours, Denny Long and Bruce Helmer, texted me during uh, the commercial. Nancy Nelson says hi. And uh, she's a, an old CCO. I, in, when I moved to Minnesota in 1967, uh, my family moved to Minnesota. And she was already, well, by the, my last couple years in high school, which I graduated in 1970, she was already a, a WCCO star. And so, uh, anyway, she says, say hi. Uh, but I wanted to say... Uh, I'll, I'll run through the other steps r- real quickly and, and hopefully simply. Uh, you know, and one of the things that I'd like our, our listeners to hear me say is goal achievement is simple. It's just not 
easy. And what we have are what we call five profoundly simple steps to achieve goals. And one of my mentors, in fact, the man who taught me, Witty Wiffy, Roy Gear, who passed away some years ago, uh, helped me understand that uh, each step can be increasingly difficult to take. Uh, and But each step could also be the most difficult. So step one, we've already discussed, have a goal. Goals are wants that pass the acid test. The acid test is the affordability question. It's a two-part question. Can I do what must be done and will I? Can I and will I? If the answers to those two questions are not yes and yes, I don't have an achievable goal. Then when I have yes and yes, I'm now already beginning step two, which is have a plan Plans come fully equipped with key activities, worded in the first person, three words, I must do. I, nobody but me, must, non-optional, do, non-passive. That becomes your plan. Work with an expert. Work with somebody who is a planning expert, and they will actually help you Develop a plan which, if executed well, will work, sort of. Step three is execute the plan. Now, here is the deal. Almost never are plans perfect. We have a goal. We have a plan. We believe that if we execute the plan, it will work. But as we execute the plan, we discover things along the way. So the process of execution kind of disrupts everything a little bit. Because everything was fine. I had a goal. I had a plan. Then I started to execute the plan, and things went awry. Step four is critical. Control direction. This means keep score. Redirect. Your plan isn't perfect. You will have to make adjustments along the way. When we do a financial plan, it's a point-in-time document. But what you want is a living planning relationship with your financial advisor. The plan is a point-in-time statement, but the planning process lives on every day. We keep score. We redirect. We course correct constantly, constantly. That's what's going on. We're rebalancing. We're adding insurance. We're doing this. We're taking money from cash. We're buying equities. We're moving money out of the market. We're moving money into the market. We're practicing what we call the smart money philosophy. We've positioned ourselves such that whenever we need money, there's a smart place to get it. And so we don't have the stress a lot of people have, but we're working with our advisor. We're continuing to make adjustments as things go along. And that involves dealing with the fifth step, which is throwing off discouragement. Goal achievement, whether it's weight loss, getting in shape, saving for a vacation, sending your kids to college, paying for a, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, 
uh, a you know whatever it happens to be. All the process of going through that comes fully equipped with discouragement, and being able to keep going, to develop our emotional competence, to understand these emotions are going to get in our way unless we can deal effectively with them. And that's the primary role that your advisor has in working with you is to help you deal with the emotional things that we experience throughout life. Keep this in mind. Your emotions will recur. What stimulates them will change. If you learn to deal with your emotions, you will have learned to deal with money. And I stop there. Um, let, let, let me help. Uh, I want to dig a little deeper for, for listeners. So the last thing you just said is what really, I mean, it was all good stuff. But what really, really, really struck me is, um, will you say that again, that you're, um, I didn't write down the, the direct quote, but you, you, your emotions. I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down either, Bruce. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Denny wrote it down. That's why Denny Denny Long wrote it down. <laughs> so the, the, the point is, so, is that life will throw you curveballs. Okay, when you write a financial plan, it's a projection. It's a forecast. It's linear, and it has to be linear because we can't anticipate where interest rates will be in five years or what the stock market will do. And so we, we make assumptions on long-term averages, and on any given year, it's going to be off by miles. In 2008, the stock market didn't cooperate. In 2022, the stock market didn't cooperate. And so people that are smart people that would tell you, look, I know about investing. You buy low and you sell high. Smart people made bad decisions based on emotion and sold out of the stock market probably last year and in 2008 because they were driven by fear rather than logic of, of the down market. And so I think that's what you're talking about, and I wanted to yeah. try to emphasize that for listeners. But I love the way you said it the first time. I wish I could write faster. Well, I will say this, that uh, the reality is, and you just said it really well, uh, investments over time, investments work better than investors. Investments work, investors don't. Why? And then the other question, why? You pose this one too. Why do otherwise smart people do dumb things with their money? It's not about their IQ. It's about their ability to access their IQ in the presence of competing and difficult to deal with emotions. It's all the same stuff. We have to deal with our emotions in order to access how smart we are. And so we help people understand that when one is emotionally charged, by the way, emotionally charged means my emotions are elevated either positively or negatively. We are always emotional. When someone says, don't be emotional, that's like a, that's a nonsensical comment. We are always emotional. It's, and usually when someone says, don't be emotional, they're not making a, they're not being complimentary. They're saying, you're not behaving the way I think you should. 
and by the way, if you've ever tried to suggest to your, to anyone that they're being too emotional, you will discover quickly that does not help. That does not help. Don't say that. Skip it. Don't say that. Not useful. But what is true is our brains, our literal physical brains, are wired to help us avoid danger and help us pursue opportunity. And the wiring is triggered by emotions that stimulate us from the outside. Something happens from the outside and it stimulates us emotionally first. And this is real important, Bruce, for our listeners to understand. Emotional intelligence is real. One. Two, emotional intelligence is not cognitive. It is not rational. Number three, emotional intelligence sacrifices accuracy for speed. What that means is it's very fast and it's frequently wrong. And number four, the big enchilada for our listeners for this show, our emotional intelligence, because it is not cognitive, cannot tell the difference between a bear market and a bear in the woods. Both bears will scare a normal human being. A normal human being will be afraid of the bear. The problem is when you run from the bear in the woods, you're going to lose your life almost certainly. When you run from the bear market, you're going to lose your money. So the question is, how do I deal rationally with the bear? What's a rational response? So what we encourage people to do, instead of e-motioning, we encourage people to e-think motion. Put a think in there. E-think motion. And it's that thinking part that gives you the chance of avoiding the dumb mistakes that many investors make out of, as you said, fear. We run from the bear. And then we run into the bull. You know, it's really remarkable. So emotionally, and the data is clear, there's a study. Anybody that wants access to it, by the way, can contact me. I'll send you a, a 22-page study for free. It's the quantitative analysis of investment behavior, of investor behavior, excuse me, and it's done annually by an organization called DALBAR, all capital letters, D-A-L. B-A-R. And if anybody wants it, I'll send it to you for free. I do want you to buy my book, though. <laughs> I throw that in there. That was, so, okay. I, I didn't know where to throw in that shameless self-promotion, Bruce. I just threw no, that in there. No, 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 no. I was going to lead you there. Trust me. So <laughs> let me take that on from you. And so, um, first of all, i got to go back before I go forward. I would be remiss. You mentioned Nancy Nelson. Again, like everybody else, she likes you more than she likes me. I did not get a text or an email, but I just got to say publicly, I love Nancy Nelson. If there's a nicer person walking this planet, I've never met them. And what a phenomenal ambassador she is for the Chan Hassan Dinner Theater. Oh, my gosh. 
So I'm glad she texted you. But Doug, I, I, I you know, again, everything that you just said, when you say it, I know that it's absolutely logical and it makes sense. But how do people get this kind of help? And again, without me saying, well, get a financial advisor or get a wealth enhancement advisor, talk a little bit about your book and how they can get your your most recent book, because you've got several. Talk a little bit about that. It's okay to plug it, because I think this is actually good for people and they might be interested. And also how they can yeah. contact you if they want to get the, the free report. That's okay to say those things. Well, the uh, the book... Uh, the new book is called "How uh, is called Don't Wait for Someone Else to Fix It," and the subtitle is Eight Essentials to Enhance Your Leadership Impact at Work, Home, and Anywhere Else That Needs You." And actually, today we've been talking about one of the eight essentials, which is uh, achieve purposeful goals. Is one of the eight essentials. Um, the first essential is aim to be your ideal self, but but I, I really do, of course, encourage people to consider getting the book. The book is designed to be a used book. You buy it new, but it's designed to be a used book, uh, a, a workbook. That, that, you know, and I have several books that I use uh, that are worth uh, actually referring to from time to time. And, and that's what this one is designed to do. And you can get it, of course, online, um, I know sometimes uh, locally for those that are happen to be in the Twin Cities or tra or around the country, I know some of the physical Barnes and Noble stores will carry the book in store. Uh, they all can order it, but uh, obviously online, you know, go online, order Amazon. Even just and and if you just want to check it out, just Google me. My name is last name is Lenick, uh, Doug Lenick, and. Near as I, re I know, I think I'm the only Doug Lennick anybody ever finds. So when you Google me, you won't have a lot of people to compete with. It'll just be me. My last name is L-E-N-N-I-C-K. My company is Think to Perform. That's a number two and the word think. Uh, but one of the books I would encourage your readers and listeners to read uh, is a book that Ryan Goulart and I wrote before this one, also published by Wiley, and it's called Leveraging Your Financial Intelligence. And this relates directly to what you guys do uh, with uh, your show and Wealth Enhancement Group. And the subtitle is At the Intersection of Money, Health, and Happiness. And Bruce, you yourself are an author of books related to topics just like that, uh, which, which your listeners, I'm sure, many of whom have read. So... I certainly encourage people to partner up with an advisor. I, I have an advisor. I trained my advisor in the early 19, in like 1981, 1982, we brought him into the business. I hired him to be my advisor 10 years later. He's still my advisor today. Uh, and I am a CFP, I am a BFA, CFP, Certified Financial Planner, BFA, behavioral financial advisor and in my opinion uh, listeners you want somebody who can help you with your behaviors not just your planning that they can actually help you behave the way you need to behave when the markets are volatile to help you make the right decision to position you such that 
whenever you need money, there's a smart place to get it. Uh, and, and that's what we call the smart money philosophy. And I can tell you this, the smart money philosophy works decade after decade, good times and in bad. And it helps people reduce stress. And when stress goes down, happiness goes up. Physical health goes up. Financial well-being goes up. Your financial advisor, believe it or not, can help you have less stress in life and less stress is good for you. I rest my case. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that, that is what this is all about. It's not about accumulating the most money. It's about having a happy quality of life, and money's one of the tools. And, Doug, we've only got about a minute, but really quickly, and I'm sorry we didn't get to, to questions and text, but I want to get this in really quickly. I've heard you say this many times. I think the first time was when we presented to the, all the employees at Chanhassen after we uh, acquired the dinner theater. You said... We don't exist to make money, but if we don't make money, we don't exist. Somehow I think that's um, <laughs> applicable to everything we're talking about today. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, you got it really well. I liked how you said it. The way I typically say it is the purpose of business is no more to make money than the purpose of life is to breathe. That said... If one quits breathing, it's going to ruin their day. So you're not here to breathe, but if you don't breathe, you're not here. Similarly, and I've been uh, so blessed, we've been blessed, Jim Jensen, uh, the you know the entire ownership team, the you know Mark and Tam, Steve, the, the the founders, you know, great people. But we, I've always believed in this philosophically: take care of your people. Your people will take care of your clients, your customers. They will provide service, and that will produce profitability. So it's this sequence, business leaders, people, service, profitability. We have 300 great people working at the theater. Those people provide a great experience for those who come to the theater. And that provides us the opportunity to be profitable and stay here. So we're breathing. So thanks for asking. We're out of time, my friend. I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you all. And join thanks, us again Eddie. next week with more of your money. Here's the phone number if you have a financial question, 888-6ADVICE. Next week, back with more of your money.